The NFL playoffs are set, but our Southern teams just missed the cut. Black Monday is in the books, but it wasn't as notable or intense as we thought. Our basketball teams in the South are on a tear with some recent wins. Alabama basketball had their biggest win over Kentucky. And did SoFi Stadium really ban tailgating? All this and more on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. Let's go. Don't wait. This night's almost over. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Sorman at Jake's Take Podcast at Jake's 14 Joining me as always is my co-host, Christy. Hi. And you can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok at Christy Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. Well, Christy, the regular season's over. We saw Scott Hansen say his goodbye for the next few months. And it's playoffs time. It is playoff time, and I'm excited. I think there's a lot of teams we weren't expecting to be in, so it'll be interesting to see how far they go. And you do bring up a good point because I had said how we expected a lot of these teams. You know, we were expecting that Minnesota was going to be in. Mm -hmm. We were expecting that San Francisco, Philadelphia. But then we had some surprises, too. I mean, yesterday's game between the Packers and the Lions was actually for the final wildcard spot in the nfc right and which actually knocked the packers out which i was kind of expecting them to at least be in the first round i did too but i also think that with this year there was just they dug themselves into a hole that they couldn't get out of and i know that usually aaron Rodgers can find a way but i don't think he was able to as quickly especially because he wasn't getting the help until probably like week 10. Right. I, you know, I think that was true for a lot of teams. It was really an odd year for regular season football. And by the time all the teams started to click, it was too late. Absolutely. And that's why it was so weird. Now, we also had some teams that weren't expected. And mm-hmm. for some reason, how did all Florida teams make it into the playoffs? <laughs> so I just read a stat today that it's the first time this century. It hasn't happened since 1997, and I was three, so I was not watching football yet. Um, yeah, and I was not one-year-old. <laughs> so with this, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but now, I mean, I guess this is good. You know, we don't really talk about Florida too, too much mm-hmm. on the show because Florida kind of just does their own thing, kind of like what Texas does. And I feel like if we do talk about them, it is the Bucks or the Dolphins, but the Jaguars made it in. No, absolutely. So I feel like with this, I mean, Jacksonville was a surprise team. Mm-hmm. Could we see, I guess, shades of 2017 when they made their way to the AFC Championship game? I think so. I mean, they definitely have a lot to play for. In 2021, they had the worst record in the league. So I think they're trying to clear that from their slate. I mean, I think that it's possible that they find a way to, you know, go fully there. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, control their own destiny. They have a good quarterback. You know, they mm-hmm. haven't had one in a while. They have a pretty good defense. So, I mean, I guess you could call them a Cinderella story. I've never had an issue with Jacksonville. It was just more that when they hired Urban Meyer and all yeah. that stuff coming with him. Right. Uh, 
I think that's kind of what kind of, I don't want to say turned me off, but kind of made me think differently. Right. That it does. It makes you feel like they have a different motive than maybe you thought before, but with him out of there, like you said, I don't really have anything against them. So I wouldn't mind seeing them go pretty far in the playoffs. I definitely have to agree with that too. Now, One of the sad things, though, is that none of our Southern teams made the playoffs. They all finished strong, but it was kind of too little too late. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it tough is they were finishing so strong. I mean, the Saints, they beat the Eagles. The Falcons beat the Bucks. So they had some pretty big last-minute games there, but just too late. I think it's one of those things where these teams do well and it shows that they click, but it was also one of those situations where it was too little too late. I feel like our teams in the South were kind of a lot like Green Bay this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and these teams either had new coaches or got new coaches during the season, so they were just trying to find themselves. I think with our teams too, really there was one team that had a chance to – make it to the playoffs and that was the Tennessee Titans. Now Mm -hmm. the downside with the Tennessee Titans was that they were starting their third string quarterback. Mm -hmm. And they, Uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) I was going to say from what I saw at first, he actually played pretty decent and then he kind of got a little sloppy in the second half, but I can see potential in him. I can see potential in him. And obviously, you know, as we get to the off season and talk drafts and free agency Mm -hmm. will break down needs for our teams in the south and teams in general but i think with this team you know they put up a good fight but it's it's also hard because you know they're stuffing derrick henry (laughs) and you don't have many players around you who can help you win those games no and they even put him at quarterback for one play but he was still stiff arming people Oh, yeah. No, that was <laughs> terrific. I'm glad to see that Derrick Henry is still stiff-arming people. Yes. Now, like you had said, you know, the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, they all finished strong, but mm-hmm. they were a little too little too late. The Panthers and the Falcons kind of have an idea of where they're going to go from mm-hmm. here, but the Panthers might not know what they're going to do in regards to coaching or if they're mm-hmm. going to start with Steve Wilkes. Are they going to look for someone else? Sadly for the Saints, it looks like Dennis Allen is coming back for another year. It does. And, you know, if I don't know. I think so. Steve Wilkes could fit there. But I do think maybe the Panthers are looking elsewhere. I know that they did talk to Jim Harbaugh. I don't think that's going to pan out. But there's definitely going to be some coaches that are wanted. I definitely have to agree there. So we'll just kind of have to keep our eyes peeled in regards to that. And speaking of the NFL, the Bears now have the number one pick. The Houston Texans really found a way to win when it didn't matter and it (laughs) lost them a chance at Bryce. I don't know if that was Lovey Smith just trying to hang on to his job, which we know didn't work out. I'm not sure. But yes, the Bears do have the number one pick with their 3-14 and record. So, and really with this, I don't know which direction the Bears are going to go in. They could go get Will. They could go get someone else like Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. They don't need a quarterback. No. 
And even if they go with like a receiver or running back, I think what they need to look for is leadership. So maybe Will could fit that spot. Not that I want to see him go there, but I don't know. I mean, no one really knows in that regard, but we'll just kind of have to keep our eyes open. Now, Bryce could still fall to the Texans Mm -hmm. or CJ Stroud could go there or Bryce could go to Seattle or the Colts. But the Texans have had a lot of number one picks Mm -hmm. in their recent history. So it would have been exciting to see them try that again. But now there's a lot on Nick Casario's hands because he has now fired two coaches after one year. Yeah. In his time as a general manager. Well, so at that point, maybe the owner looks at the general manager. It's not so much coaching, you know? Well, I think it's also, too, that you have to look at how they build a team, how mm-hmm. they choose their coaches, how they choose their players, because. I mean, a lot of the players there that, you know, are still there from Bill O'Brien's time, Mm -hmm. I think don't really have an interest in being there. And I feel like Houston Texans isn't like a very desirable place to want to go, especially because Bill O'Brien found a way to burn that bridge. (laughs) Yeah. So you really need to get both coaching and just a player who are going to bring that leadership and, make people buy into the program. Absolutely. Moving on to our next point in regards to Black Monday, I know that it wasn't super exciting, but there was a very big, I don't want to say surprise because you called it, but (laughs) Cliff Kingsbury being fired. Yeah, so I think he, on my original video, I think he was like my second pick. I thought he was going to be fired before the end of regular season, but he was fired. But I think, we haven't seen the end of him yet. No, because you're going to hate me for saying this. Cliff Kingsbury, you are now the new offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. It hasn't been offered to you yet, but I think with this, it could work. Look, look, hear me out. All Nick right. has said before that there are certain coaches he likes. He likes young coaches. He likes coaches who have had potential. He's done stuff like this before with Brian Dable. He's done this with Lane, with Sark. It could be possible. He did have a very dynamic offense when he had Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. All right. You're convincing me. I do have to admit I did have that written down. He's not my top choice, but I do see where you're coming from. And I think Saban also wants someone who is moldable. And I think... Cliff Kingsbury is still very moldable. Cliff gives me a lot of, I guess, Lane. Yeah. Um, I can see a lot of Lane in him. Obviously, you know, we've seen Lane grow up, mellow out, and mm-hmm. Lane basically is just like saving again. So I could see it happening. But now that with Cliff Kingsbury being fired from the Arizona Cardinals, he is going to be a hot commodity for the offensive coordinator position. Yeah. But, you know, it depends on which one he's going to take because if he does get offered at Alabama, he's going to take a significant pay cut. He will. So it, for NFL, I had him maybe going to the Patriots as their, their offensive coordinator. Well, he did actually play for the Patriots yeah. as a quarterback once upon a time. So they do have that connection. 
So anything is possible. We'll keep everyone updated there. Lovey Smith, I wasn't actually surprised by this firing. They didn't even actually fire him on Monday. Right. And the, like you, I think you mentioned before, the Texans have a bad track record now for firing back-to-back -back coaches. Yeah, um, it's not looking too, too good there. So we might have to see what happens there about potential coaches who might be brought in for an mm -hmm. interview or really kind of what the focus is there. But yeah, kind of keep your eyes peeled in regards to what could happen. I was looking at Twitter earlier and I did see that someone had mentioned that it could be possible that I believe the offensive coordinator from Philadelphia might be a potential candidate for mm -hmm. the Texans. Okay, I could see that. So really with this, I mean, anything is possible. It could be maybe D'Amico Ryans. I, I don't know about that one. I don't think D'Amico Ryans would be the potentially no. bad choice. But yeah. I think with this, you know, there are a few options out there. Yeah, I agree. And I think we haven't seen the last of the firing either yet. I know we talked about Steve Wilkes already, but. I would look for maybe Ron Rivera from the Commanders and then Kevin Stefanski from the Browns. I think with this, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it were one or the other. You know, mm. the Commanders had a pretty decent year, but, you know, right now they're still trying to figure things out. The Browns, I mean, everyone was rooting for the Browns for a while, and now they're not because, yeah. you know, they did. <laughs> yeah, we're aware. And now that Dennis Allen isn't going anywhere, Josh McDaniels isn't going anywhere, and surprisingly, neither is Brandon Staley from the Chargers. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see what else might happen because I think, you know, we don't know the status of the Panthers. Mm -hmm. And someone had said that there might be talks about Robert Stala being fired from the Jets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a little too early. I mean, they actually were doing pretty well the first part of the season. Right, and I think you just have to be, obviously, it's same as college. Not everyone's going to make it in the playoffs. You have to be happy with a winning season or even close to a winning season. And I feel like it's half and half. Some teams are like you had one terrible season, you're out. And some are you had one terrible season, let's see what happens next year. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about the teams in the South is that so many of those teams, while they are – you know, they're going to be rebuilding, but mm -hmm. they're going to get it figured out. And it looks like at the moment, you know, they are kind of trending upwards. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these positions can be fixed in the draft and free agency. Yeah. Now, moving on, and we've talked about this for the past few weeks. What Do we think that Jim Harbaugh might be a potential coach for any of these teams? Because we know that he's interviewing. Yeah, and he's supposed to have that official interview. It's going to be a virtual interview this week with the Broncos. So, And I think he's trying to do his best to keep the attention off of him still at Michigan right now, especially with Michigan being in trouble and all right now. So I think he's trying not to say too much, but I do think if he gets the right offer from the Broncos, it's his job. I just still think it's so crazy that he has that – I guess, allegation that he was mm -hmm. buying them burgers or something? <laughs> yeah. If if we could pick any of the things that coaches are 
whatever people involved in the football world are doing wrong, buying burgers would be like the bottom of my list. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we know what happened with Jeremy Pruitt and McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So yes. <laughs> does not surprise me there. Moving on to our next point, Christy's favorite topic, basketball. So <laughs> I have let- some notes, not a lot. <laughs> That's okay. So right now it's looking actually pretty good for our teams in the South. You know, Memphis Grizzlies are on a win streak. They won without John Morant, who's their star. The Hornets beat the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Milwaukee Bucks are a terrific team. So I think with this, you know, things are looking up. The Hawks are back in playing contention. And then, the, of course, there's my team, who is just kind of falling apart. <laughs> kind of like the same football team from the same area. <laughs> so I don't know really what it is. I had said earlier in previous broadcasts that when it comes to New Orleans, it looks like the Saints decided to be bad so the Pelicans could be good. Now the Pelicans are just being bitten by injury bugs. Zion Williamson is out hurt. Brandon Ingram is still hurt, but he should be back in the next few days. In a game against their division rival, the Dallas Mavericks, they basically did not start any of their well-known players. You know, their star guard was out. And I saw a tweet where they had basically done the starting lineup and there were two players. One of them was Herb Jones. And the other three in the starting lineup was the mascot, the owner, oh. and King Cake Baby, who is basically yeah. someone for Mardi Gras. And I sent that to a few friends and I said, guys, don't worry. King Cake Baby's going to have six blocks and we're going to win this game. We, we might have won that game if we had the owner, Pierre the Pelican, and King Cake Baby start. Yeah. But right now, I mean, it is a pretty exciting time um, for, you know, basketball in the South. And it's going to be weird that we're actually going to start covering them a lot more now. Yeah. And I know you had said before basketball started, like, you never hear the Southern teams mentioned on TV, like during other games. But I have actually, I don't know if I'm listening more now that I'm on the podcast, but I've actually heard these teams mentioned, you know, during football games, they highlight them. So that's pretty exciting. And it means that they're getting some exposure, which is Mm -hmm. great because, you know, with this team and with this kind of region, you know, you don't think about sports outside of football for them. And now you have, you know, three teams who have some really terrific wins. So it's definitely exciting. And right now with the Pelicans, you know, they showed fight. They actually had a game on live TV a few games ago and they were doing well. And then I think they just kind of struggled. I mean, it it, it can be hard when you keep losing players. So I definitely think that with this, you know, we have a lot to learn, but that's okay. Right now the South is doing good at basketball. We're decently (laughs) like usual. Moving on to our next point. Now, this is about basketball, but this is more about college basketball, and it's related to Alabama. So now we can very much say that Alabama is an everything school. They are, and even Saban was at the game. I know. Someone had tweeted, though, that he didn't stay for all the game, though. So someone should definitely you know, tell him something. Well, so I read where Nate Oates says that 
Saban does not come to a lot of games because he's a big distraction. People are trying to take pictures with him and autograph him. So it's almost like they need to give him his own little section where people can't bother him. Well, they put him next to the athletic director. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm glad that they put him next to Greg Byrne. But, I mean, Greg Byrne looked like he was trying to just, you know, talk to him. And I just want to say, Greg, watch the game. Right. Pay attention. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I think everyone was excited. And that's great. You know, having Nick Saban there means a lot. It shows a lot about this culture. And also how the coaches get along, too. Because I think with it, it's really important to show that not only these coaches, coaches love and respect one another, mm -hmm. but that they're going to come out. I mean, I've seen at football games, Patrick Murphy, the softball coach for Alabama, he has shown up or, you know, Nate Oates was at a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that coach Patterson, when she coached gymnastics, she would come to football and basketball games too. So they all have this deep respect and love for one another. But I mean, I guess we can forgive Nick Saban for not saying the whole game. Yeah, but I think bombarded. I, I know, but I also think with this, you know, to have him there, especially because Nate Oates has not been there that long. Mm -hmm. You know, Nate Oates has only been there for I think this is gonna be his fourth year. Mm -hmm. And to show you have that respect from one of college football's best, yeah, means a lot more. It does. And I think so Nate was even quoting some of Saban's famous lines from his press conferences in his own press conference after the game. So, and I think, like you said, it just shows they value each other's leadership. And I think they want to learn from each other and how each other runs each of their own sports. And I definitely love that. I think that's, you know, very big and pivotal mm -hmm. for both programs, because this is how you see schools growing more than just yeah. as an athletic program. And I love that. Yeah. Now, if people haven't, you know, paid attention to Alabama, the Kentucky rivalry, that's okay. You know, we're going to break that down. So for the longest time, Kentucky was known as the dominant basketball school in the SEC. There would be a few teams that would come around and be pretty good, but Kentucky was always number one. Now, this year, when it comes to our teams in the SEC, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Arkansas, they are even Georgia are finding ways to be more well known. And with this win over Kentucky, not only did Alabama have the largest win in Alabama basketball history, but they found a way to make Kentucky just look off. Yeah, so I think people are using the same argument they're using for Alabama football, saying, you know, that dynasty is over. They're kind of using that for Kentucky, saying the Kentucky basketball dynasty is over. I don't want to say that it's over because, you know, we're media now. And anytime <laughs> you say something as media, one, it gets blown out of proportion. And two, it usually lights a fire under the team. I <laughs> don't think the dynasty for Kentucky basketball is over. As long as they have John Calipari, they should be fine. But it's just, you know, a little bit of a down year. And mm -hmm. I know Kentucky fans don't want to hear that. But they've been dominant for so long. Yeah, it's almost that spoiled fan man mentality that I'm guilty of myself. Oh, man, is this how people feel when they talk to us? As I all know. <laughs> Isn't it awful? 
Oh man, I, I feel like we're getting humbled now, and I feel like we're <laughs> feeling bad for Kentucky fans, which I never thought would happen. No, 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 no disrespect to Kentucky. I know that they are a terrific program too, but really with this, I think it's very important to know that obviously in this game, you know, Kentucky never led. That that's crazy to me. That Kentucky never led. I understand that this game was in Tuscaloosa, but they never had a lead. Right, and I feel like as much as I know about basketball, maybe you can correct me, but that's kind of rare. I mean, basketball is pretty back and forth. Basketball is usually very back and forth, and when it comes to our games, you want to make sure that they're staying competitive. It Mm -hmm. seemed that with this game, Alabama was out. I don't want to say for blood, but they were out Mm -hmm. to prove a point. Right. I mean, you had three players with 10-plus points. The largest lead was 31 points. Eventually, they beat them by, I think, 27 or 28 points. And they just did not look back. So I think with this team, you know, Nate Oates is building something special there. But it's now shown that the SEC doesn't just run through Lexington, Kentucky anymore. Right. So... Moving on with that, but it was definitely exciting, and now it's great to see that Alabama is doing well in basketball. So if y'all are wanting to see more Alabama basketball, be sure to tune in. Most of the time, they're on ESPN or SEC Network. Our final point, and one that we are both very passionate about, as at the time of this recording, the national championship game is on, tailgating was banned in SoFi. And... This was the worst game, I feel like, to ban tailgating. You have two Southern teams, not both SEC, but they're in the South, two Southern teams playing for the national championship. Tailgating is just part of the Southern football culture. I have to agree. And, you know, it's where you create memories. You meet Mm -hmm. people who are a lot like you and it's all in all just so much fun right and now you're just saying oh yeah by the way you can't do that here and then i think i saw something where they are charging 17 dollars for beer in the stadium uh yeah so something has to give i think the whole thing really is that i maybe they're not used to hosting maybe they're just not used to doing things like this, but someone had said that these games shouldn't be played in LA anymore. And I mean, what do we think about that? So that was kind of my first comment I made. And also I think, I don't know, you can tailgate at the SoFi stadium at NFL games. And I know it wasn't technically the SoFi stadium who made this rule. It was actually the college football playoff committee, I guess you can call them. And I don't know. It's just, it's weird that I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I'm even looking at their menu right here. Their beer choices were Modelo and Pacifico. Interesting. So, you know, no Bud Light, no Miller Light. (laughs) No Bud Light, no Miller. The wine they had, a Chardonnay, a Rosé, a Pinot, and a Sparkling. Oh, they do not know their fan base that's coming. No. Um, I think with this, especially, you know, I understand that it's not a group of fans you're used to accommodating. Maybe they're different in L.A., but 
in the South, you know, we're not Modelo drinkers. No. We're not really, like, we're not big wine drinkers. No. If you just give us a Bud Light, a Miller Light, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll make do. But with this, I mean, this was just concerning. And I mean, so many people were just so upset with how they're handling this because, you know, you give L.A. a shot mm-hmm. to host a college football playoff game, and now they're just looking like they have no idea what they're doing. Right. And I read somewhere where, you know, the bowl games have the big fan events and you can tailgate almost all week and that this game is more geared toward TV viewers. So that had something to do with it. But you still have fans that are filling up that stadium and going. So what about them? Yeah, and I mean, I think with this, you know, they're just not used to it. I mean, yeah. SoFi is a new stadium, but still, they're they're not doing a good job. And I mean, even yeah. to the point where Ugga, the mascot, doesn't want to yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, he's t- he's boycotting. So I think with this, you know, it's not a good look for SoFi. I mean, maybe they'll learn from it, but, but right now, people are saying that they don't want to see a game back in LA. They want it to be in New Orleans. They want it to be in Atlanta, Miami, maybe a city in the Midwest like last year. Mm -hmm. I don't want to agree with them, but right now, I mean, when you take away tailgating, you take away an experience for the fans and a potential way for them to bond with other fans. Right. You're really taking away the whole culture of college football, I think. I definitely have to agree there. But as of right now, watching this Georgia game, it does look like Georgia is up 7 nothing. There are about 10 minutes left in the first quarter, and this Georgia defense is really all over the field. So we will be sure to talk about that more in the next episode. But that is going to do on this Tuesday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe. You can find this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Anchor, basically on all podcast platforms. As always, you can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, JakeSil14. You can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok, at ChristyMarie underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Friday underscore sport underscore. And we will be back on Friday recapping the national championship game, preparing some of our notes in regards to the NFL playoffs, breaking down potential moves in the small market, and so much more. Got an exciting plan for 2023. Thank you so much for all the growth. Thank you so much for everything y'all have done for us. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, as always, continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Bring smiles into this world. Be a light in this world because the world is still a very scary place. And as always, as always, we will see and hear from you all later. Take care. Bye.